heard across the Resonate Regional Radio Network. It's my time, it's my life. I hope you will come along. This is Rural Queensland Today with Ben Dobbin. Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today, Wednesday morning, the 10th of August. A very good morning to everybody listening to us across the Resonate Broadcast Network through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR in Roma, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers and the Hot Country Network, a very good morning to you. So much to get through this morning. We're going to catch up with Roger Hill, Heron Todd White, North Queensland Director. This talk that the North Queensland property market is going South is just garbage. We're going to try and alleviate some of the fears and the rhetoric that's been going on over the last couple of weeks about that market and give you some real hard facts. We're also going to catch up with Robbie Catter. Meredith Stabe, uh, CEO of the Royal Flying Doctors Service, will join us. Uh, we'll catch up with her. We'll talk with Cyril Close and so much more. It's a big show for you. It's Wednesday morning. It's the 10th of August. You're with Ben Dobbin and this is Rural Queensland Today. Rural Queensland today, uh, Robbie Catter joins us this morning, leader of the Catter Party, and the biosecurity issues, and we talked yesterday a bit around this, but it is very, very real. Uh, the Palaszczuk Labor government shallow attempt to appear proactive on biosecurity risks, threatening to destroy the state's livestock industry, is a Band-Aid uh, effect. It, it has got not a lot of ground to it. Robbie Catter joins us this morning. Rob, you were critical of this. This is because you just know the severity of FMD if we are to get it in this country and the rhetoric coming out of uh, Queensland from the state government, it's almost embarrassing. Yeah, it is. And, I don't, you know, trying not to be too negative, I, I do appreciate that they've done something. Um, you know, they came out this plan and put some money there but um, and 10 new DAP officers. But the thing is, Dobbo, there's been 40 DAF officers go in 10 years in the regions, um, and we did some we did questions in Parliament uh, to extract that knowledge. That um, putting 10 back out, well, you know what I'll say, that's a good start, but um, that's just a start. That's all it is, and it needs to. Um, and that's not even the whole story of of um, you know mitigating against FMD and the likes. So it's a long way to go, and uh, and we'll keep the pressure on them to make sure that um, it is delivered, you know, because uh, it's it's only it's only going to come through pressure because, um, yeah, the, I, whilst there's been a response and, we're, you know, happy that there's some response, it was a pretty slow of gates on this and um, and this is just a start to try and address this problem. The, the very You've been very critical of the 30 regionally-based full-time equivalent biosecurity roles that have been leached out of regional Queensland in the last 10 years. And and, and th- this is the thing that I want to talk about. We talked about what, what they did with stock inspectors, what they did with the DPI, what they have done over a long period of time is nothing short of criminal. Yet they do not want to answer to that. Now they're boasting, oh, they admitted in 2013 they had 240 full-time staff based outside of South East, uh, South East Corner. They've got nothing like that now. No, you're right. And, and you know, from my point of view, like both sides have had a chop here because the cuts started. And that, that was over a 10-year period, which includes cuts through the uh, Newman period when the LNP were in. So sure. um, both sides have got their hands dirty on this and, and um, you know, have – Drop the ball, but um, here we are, mate. We've got to move forward, and um, we've got to build it back up. And you know, the biosecurity officers. Um, yeah, it's, I'm not saying they're the they're the panacea of like 
you know, risk mitigation around uh, FMD, but it does help, mate. And one of the biggest one of the biggest issues I've had brought towards me from this from producers on the ground is that we don't really know what you know. It's not being communicated exactly what's going on here, like what's the plan. And you know, they said they've got this plan now, but that was the that was the beauty of having DAF officers on the ground, all those biosecurity officers, that not only would they um, feed back, you know, from a direct line to the government, but they would um, feed back up as well to their, you know, the director general or the department in Brisbane. They'd say, mate, you've got real problems here, you know. The, People are real wobbly on this, and um, and it's starting to affect the market. And you know, they just if you you don't have that intel, you don't have the confidence. Yeah. Uh, if you're the minister or the director general, that's got to make some calls on this. You don't have the confidence if you don't have that connectivity with people on the ground. What's happening out there? And that's a really important part of it. So that fact alone uh, would help. And um, you know, with this package too. Um, You'd have to say they're not even having a go with the pigs. Like uh, that's an easy one we could tick off on, and we spoke about it before. But um, you know, the industry sources have said like twenty or thirty million to really properly address the pigs. Yeah, and um, and they've come out with one million. So you know, nice to have something and make a start. But um, we're going to have to do a hell of a lot better than that. And, um, and you know, KOP will be making sure that uh, we do everything possible to force them to do something meaningful and make that you know, make this start into a start of something more significant. Yeah, and that's the big thing, that you are making sure that um, that everybody is held to accountability around this. Now, the gas industry, Robbie, the release of the Australian Competition and Consumer Gas Inquiry uh, is predicting a worsening supply shortfall. This is one of, and it will go down in history, of the biggest atrocities that's happened to rural and regional Queensland that our governments sold off our natural resources in gas and then created a shortage in this country yet exported it overseas and in the process destroyed a lot of valuable, highly productive agricultural land. Now, I understand that both have got to work hand in hand, but the way this has been handled has been nothing short of appalling. Yeah, mate. Um, it's, it's probably, you know, if you – the students of uh, politics or economics in the future, it'll be the best. It'll be the best lesson of how people mindlessly just followed economic policy and the and the presumably the advice of their advisors, or or really didn't follow anything at all, just took the easy approach and sold off everything. But um, you know, for the last twenty or thirty years, both sides of politics and um, liberal and labor told us it's a free market, it's a global market. We're going to you know, trade in that you, you don't want any restrictions on anything. So they re- absolutely refused to work. Uh, couldn't have been more opposed to anything like a gas reserve policy, like most of the rest of the world does, like Western Australia had. Yeah. But um, they were so bitterly against it. They still won't even abide it in the state government. I was only recently as a week or two, and um, I was asking this in Parliament, and the Libs can never do it because they're part of it as well. So I'm the lone wolf there in Parliament, um, in Queensland Parliament, Hit them up, but they still refuse to even entertain a gas reserve policy. They talk about a little Mickey Mouse gas reserve, which means, which it's hardly even worth mentioning. It's just by saying anything produced in Strat Basin has to have some domestic supply. But that's that's really just, I mean, it's not even worth mentioning. It's so little effect. They need a full blown gas reserve policy. Like I said, like most most of the rest of the world has, and the likes of Intertech Pivot will keep Gibson Island open to make fertilizer for our farmers and and um. Not only that, there'd probably be more people will be um, will you know engage in that type of industry like where fertilizer, well, all sorts of uh, you've got Manildra 
um, biggest ethanol producer and a, a massive um, business down there in Mara in New South Wales. They're heavily relying on gas. There's some big industries relying on gas. And who gets the benefit out of it? Um, we get a measly, I think it's about 600 million we get off uh, royalties from gas. Qatar is, um, it, it's in the billions. It's, I it's think ridiculous. it's over 20 billion what yeah. Qatar get for a similar volume, exporting a similar volume of gas. Um, so can so, it ever be changed? Can, can there be an I'd overhaul? Make a big stroke of a pen tomorrow. Like, um, and, you know, there would be, there would be some, Practicalities in so far as um, you know, contracts have been signed with gas companies. But mate, governments can do the art of possible in politics. Governments can do anything they want. In fact, they rolled out the the gas industry. They steamrolled it within two years. It's probably one of the biggest, uh, fastest um, industries built overnight in in um, perhaps Queensland's history was the the rollout of the gas thing. So they're happy enough to roll over the, the multinational gas companies. Um, so if they can do it that way, they can also do it in the reverse. And um, so, mate, it, it is definitely possible. And it's not like this is a radical idea because most of the rest of the world did it. And America flourished when uh, Trump came in from um, addressing gas policy and um, making affordable energy. Affordable energy is key to um, industry and and you know what an absolute joke when they say we need all through COVID they said we need to stimulate manufacturing and and building things on shore but they still won't entertain a gas reserve policy so and, until you hear those words and and I talk to I you know I do get in, access to some industry giants on the gas stuff and and you know the likes of Intertech Pivot are big players in Australian industry and they they're saying mate nothing short of gas industry otherwise we just go offshore and um, that's what we've been doing for the last 10, we're experiencing for 10 years. Things are just going offshore, not being built here. They're going to shut Gibson Island down so there's less fertiliser available, less sovereign security, um, less food security and until they can wake up for themselves and um, and even you know even accept that it's the right thing to do. They won't even accept that that's the right thing, let alone uh, whether it's practical or not doing it. Yeah, it's huge. Um, it's mm. something that we need to look at. Rob, great to chat. Uh, we could talk all day. Appreciate your time as a weekly guest on Rural Queensland Today. Thanks, buddy. Good Always on you. Pleasure. Rural, Rural Queensland Today. We'll take a break. Come back with more. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Ben Dobbin with you on the 10th of August. It is Eka Show holiday in Brisbane, but we are still working throughout regional Queensland. Meredith Stabe is the CEO of the Royal Flying Doctor Service um, and unbelievable and one of the most important, important charities I think that we all agree with in the bush. Uh, Meredith, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Good morning, Ben. Lovely to be here. Uh, this is a great story in for 2022, the Local Hero Regional Award winners. Now, this is obviously an important part of what you guys do. Can you just explain about the Local Hero Awards and, and how you guys come about selecting these champions? Yes, certainly, Ben. Yeah, it is. Um, it's a wonderful opportunity for us to recognise those people that go above and beyond uh, for us and really do keep us flying in the air of the bush. Um, so it's an annual award um, that's supported by Ergon Energy Retail. Um, it really recognises those Queenslanders, Queenslanders that donate their time and energy to us. So it's really a time for just a huge thank, thank you to them and a, and a great recognition. So this is obviously... Throughout the year, people that have done amazing things, and you've just released the regional winners. Now, I'll start with Townsville. Uh, Deb Mosh and, and, and Fran Seagren, uh, Roma, 
Jen Rogers, Mount Isa, Barbara Clark, Longreach, Kate Russell, Chloe Rowe and Jericho Road Clothing, Charleville, Neil and David Brooke, Cairns, Emma Jackson, Bundy, um, Richard Greatworks, and in Brisbane, Meredith Lovegrove. I mean, this is just a phenomenal group of people. And and how do they go about, once they've been uh, awarded this Local Hero Awards, is there a presentation or uh, you send it out? How do you go about this now? Yeah, yeah so obviously there is Local Heroes are nominated for each of the regional areas where we have base. And so what we've announced is obviously the winners for each area. So you're right, it's incredible people with Meredith and Richard and Emma and Neil and David Brooke and Kate Barbara and Jen and Deb and Fran, incredible people that have given their time. Um, so, you know, some of them have, have done fundraising for us, other of them are health advocates, uh, they volunteer their time. So it's just incredible. So what happens now is people have the opportunity to vote for um, the overall winner of the local hero. Um, and so the voting closes on Tuesday the 6th of September. So really encouraging everyone to get on and have a vote. Yeah. Um, and then obviously we, we there is, Depending on the voting, there's an overall winner, and that winner gets um, a twenty thousand um, dollars grant towards a community health and wellbeing initiative. So, you know, these people are incredible. They give their time, and then they have the opportunity to give back even more. Um, so, yeah, it is it is absolutely incredible what they do. Really inspiring stories, and obviously, would encourage everyone to get on our website and and view them. The biggest thing about the RFDS is that. The, the people who have won and, and the communities and where we're talking to this morning, it is so important that everybody gets behind it. It, it. it is just a crucial part of our life because without the RFDS, we are in all sorts of trouble. How how important is it to have these local heroes and have these kind of fundraising events that go on throughout, throughout regional Queensland and Australia? Because without it, I mean, you, you guys obviously rely a lot on, you know, some support from the government, but you also need the funding that's going on out here in the bush and it has to yeah. – and, and our very own. And it seems to me that we are united on this and making sure that this service is so readily available and that we can have enough money that in case, and God forbid, there is emergency, we know that that plane's going to be there. Yeah, Um so you're right. I um, when I started the role, I didn't realise how vast the state of Queensland is. It's huge. So there's a lot of distance to cover, and I think that well, I know that people that choose to live in rural and remote areas should absolutely have access to the same healthcare. So that's really what what we try to provide. Um, you know, connecting those people to the care when they need it. And you're right, we get some incredible support by the government. The fundraising really is that little bit extra that we need. Um, that does make a huge difference. Um, for us. And I think one of the most humbling parts of my role is I get to, to travel around and hear all these incredible stories, how RFS really has touched, touched you know, such a large number of lives um, across rural and remote Queensland. And so these people that have been nominated are incredible part of the RFS family. And so it's really just an opportunity to recognise them, their stories and their time and commitment. There's no greater charity. I mean, it, 10 times it's been, it, it, it's been, Realised as the most reputable charity um, through the, those surveys, um, and the heroes—they're not only the people that raise money, but these pilots and nurses that accompany these planes. I mean, I had my life saved by Royal Flying Doctors in two thousand six, uh, yeah. and and I still remember the pilot. Um, and, and later on, when I met him, he said the biggest thing was trying to clear the runway from Ruse. Um, and they had mm-hmm. to go down four times. He had to go along there, couldn't land, 
till he completely cleared it. Like these guys and men and women who accompany the who are in these planes and who are there, the nurses and the doctors and and everybody involved, the pilot, unbelievable. They are unsung heroes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I the other part of my job I love is I getting to go out and see them, see the staff in action. They are an incredible group of people, and we are so very fortunate as an organisation to have. Um, each and every one of them. I too have uh, been in an aircraft and seen the, the clearing of the runway and they are absolutely local volunteers that do that job for us. So yeah. we call ahead and they, they go out and they clear the runway, which is so important for us in any time, day or night. So that they really are, you know, that's a classic example of a local hero. So, you know, we nominate and people get nominated and they vote for local heroes, but there are so many of these people um, in communities each and every day that um, that help the architects and keep us flying and ultimately protect their own community, which I think is what drives that great spirit. So, yeah, very fortunate. What, We've got some wonderful people and some wonderful support. What can we do? What can we do? I mean, we hear about these local hero, but talking to it, if people want to hold an event in a charity, is there someone to get in contact or they just make it? What's the process? Yeah, so obviously we have a lot of um, individual fundraising events that happen um, across the state. So absolutely, if they um, they want to um, have an event, um, they can absolutely get in touch with us. We've got a generic number, which um, I can share with you, um, Ben, to share with the community. But um, yeah, we're absolutely happy to support any local fundraising events that happen. Yeah, well, I think that that's a phenomenal thing. I think more people obviously, you know, realise without the Royal Flying Doctor Service, we are absolutely in dire straits. And we saw that phenomenal, phenomenal um, donation by the Maranoa Regional Council with the Roma Sayards giving a percentage mm. of their um, way fees um, and splitting that from their way fees. And and and, a, and they did a great job. The Agents Association, also Golder, Tyson Golder, who the mayor out there, just a phenomenal, phenomenal and uh, event. And obviously they're very, I've spoken to Katie Scott. We've had a lot of contact with people through the Maranoa about new hangers and trying to get things worked out and have been sharing um, hangers. It's been quite amazing what's gone on and the yeah. Royal Flying Doctors have done an amazing job um, for people in the Maranoa, but also you get amazing generosity from different community groups. Yeah, absolutely. The event um, in Roma was fantastic and um, we're incredibly grateful to the Roma community and all those involved for that donation. But you're right, that happens all across um the state for us. We are so very, very fortunate to have such wonderful support. Um, you know, we, we're delighted and it does really make a difference. See that bit extra that allows us to buy some equipment or fund a new service or put towards an, air, an aircraft or infrastructure. Huge. So, um, yep. yeah. So it's a big capital heavy business and that sort of support is just incredible. So we are yeah, absolutely delighted. Yeah, real honour to I'll speak to you. Thank you for being such a fan, Ben. Yeah, real honour to speak to you, Meredith. Um, the 2022 Local Hero Regional Winners um, Award winners uh, from Brisbane, Meredith Lovegrove, Bundaberg, uh, Richard uh, Greater X, Cairns, Emma Jackson, Charleville, Nell and David Brooke, Longreach, Kate Russell and Chloe Rowe and the Jericho Road Clothing, Mount Isa, Barbara Clark, Roma, Jen Rogers and Townsville, Deb Mosh and Fran Seagrin. Uh, appreciate your time. Uh, CEO of the Royal Flying Doctors, Meredith Stave, thanks so much and, and what a phenomenal, phenomenal organisation you are. Thanks so much for being with us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Thanks, Ben. It's been wonderful to talk to you and thanks for your support. Good and thanks you. to every other Queenslander. Thank you. Rural Queensland today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today. Numbers a little bit reduced yesterday, 2,500 at the weekly Roma store sale. Um, we heard that the prime cows later in the last week jumped considerably. Um, obviously, 
There will be some shortages from time to time. Those big runs of wieners now have started to subside and it's a little bit of a lull. Cyril Close, the Managing Director of Topics Australia, owner of Topics Roma, joins us this morning. Hello, mate. Morning, Robo. How are you? All right. Not a huge number, but, it, it, you know, the last couple of weeks we've seen a huge influx. I don't like to say it's the echo week, but it's just a bit of a lull at this present moment. Um, weather changing, it's it's just in that slot where you're not going to get those fresh wieners and calves are starting to drop very shortly. Yeah, mate, that's right. The calves now. And um, no, we're seeing just a, yeah, a bit of a surprise. Really, I thought we might have seen about 4,000, but anyway, just done 2,500. Uh, not a bad yard in the cattle. Quality was pretty good uh, from heavy cattle down to light cattle, and market probably improved across all sections. So, w- w- where were we at? Like, you, you, we saw it last week that prime cattle, they tried to jerk the prime job a couple of weeks ago and they just couldn't hold it. We saw at the back end last week, prime cows started to kick. I, I just want to start with. From 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 a, a prime cow perspective, was that market deer again? Yeah, it was certainly firm, mate, and, and quite a bit of competition. Um, good to see the southern processors up and and giving us a bit of competition up this way. Uh, that's what's put the pressure on uh, the local job. So uh, cows out for three hundred and fifty and sixty pretty consistently now. Where you know, three weeks ago we were sort of three hundred and ten to three hundred and twenty. So um, consistently out into that three hundred and forty and up to the best end of your better yielding cows out to three hundred and fifty five sixty. So the cow job and the prime job, it's obviously a supply issue and demand issue, that, and that's why, you know, that market's driving it along. The store job has been the ever-consistent and the talk and the and the garbage of, oh, we're having a crash and all this stuff, that seems to be a thing of the past. It, it, it seems to have levelled around where it's going to be, give or take, and I say this, tongue-in-cheek, with 20 cents here and there. Um, and that's not a huge, huge drop considering the, the prices that uh, people are achieving. Store calves are still making plenty. Yeah, they are. And, and you know, we're going into – so someone said last night, oh, what's going on? I said, well, we, the, the lowest common denominator was always supply and demand. So you can talk about every other little factor, which we do, uh, but essentially it's supply and demand. When your supply drops off and the demand's there and the feed's there, uh, the, the market will get stronger. So essentially with a few less cattle around, uh, you know, in the New South Wales last week, you know, with that rain change and, and, and through here, you know, we're not getting much rain at the moment, but we don't need much to stop trucks and stop cattle moving. So the supply has, has just backed off a tiny bit and uh, the demand, we're going into the right time of the year, we're going into warmer weather, the days are longer, the spring is going to be amazing. Um, mate, there's just enough factors there. Um, the big Hairy elephant in the rooms probably just moved out the door a little bit at the moment, but um, yeah, it it is just a bit more confidence in the last well, from last week on. Yeah. yeah, and that's a that's a huge thing, isn't it? Um, you know, a massive thing. So feeder cattle, cattle people, is there still confidence of trying to put calves on feed? Yeah, well, mate, you know, when you're in that cycle, as we spoke about, you can't just chop and change and jump from one ship to another. And um, so, you know, the, I was talking to a couple of blokes here in the sale lanes there yesterday and, you know, yep, they're going to have a bit of burn on the next run of cattle that they bought that were, you know, early in the year at those exorbitant prices, which was lovely to have, but we knew they were probably not going to stay there. So as a few of them said yesterday, yeah, there's going to be a bit of burn there, but the job's come back now and they're, they're chipping away still and, and, and buying in now at a reduced rate from then and, you know, they'll they'll fix up a, some up on the next go-around. That's just how that market works. So you can't just stop. Uh, so, 
you know, same story as we said. There's going to be feed. They're going to need cattle, and uh, they'll continue to just you know chip along and and uh, be you know pretty collective about how they do it. Yeah, and that's the thing. Um, it, it, it's the ups and downs. The heifers have always been strong. The heifer jobs amaze me because they've been they've been almost parity with steers. Is there that divide again now, or they're still very close? Oh no, we you know when we did see it six weeks ago, uh, ease off, and the heifer job probably dropped a dollar in a week or whatever it was in that first instance. Um, you know, and they, but they haven't claimed, they haven't claimed that ground back. So you know, a weaner steer six dollars here yesterday plus, and the heifer is five dollars plus. There's about a dollar bracket there now. So there's that gap there at the moment. It's uh, a bit harder to sort of place some heifers into that trade market. So. Um, a few doors are shut there, so and then there's still, you know, we had a good run of heifers there um, yesterday that were weaner heifers that will come in this time every year from the Levy Downs, and, and we still had restock of blokes buying those and also feeders. So, you know, if you find the quality cattle um, that suit a restocker market, there's still competition there for them, but it is about a dollar a gap on steer to heifer at the minute. Yeah, unreal. Hey, really appreciate your time this morning, Cyril. As usual, make yourself available on a Wednesday to give us an update. Um, obviously, so much going on. Uh, weather temp, mate, she all right out there? Or it, it, The herbage has been late, hasn't it? It's late, yeah, it's late, mate. I mean, we, and we, it's there, but uh, it's only in the in the country where there's not much grass. I mean, we're fortunate enough from that big sp- uh, spring and summer and there's been a big bulk of grass. That's why I think why the herbage has had a bit of competition. So um, it's there in the bearer patches and it's you know, put iron more, but... Um, yeah, no, nice icy white one this morning. Um, yeah, which you know, always usually a nice day after that, aren't they? So yeah, yeah it's good, beautiful, um, great to chat. We'll catch up again shortly. Appreciate your time this morning. Good stuff, mate. Thank you. Good on you, Cyril Close, Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. It is August ten across Rural Queensland today. Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network, Wednesday morning, the 10th of August. Uh, Roger Hill, Heron Todd White, North Queensland director, joins us this morning. And and all through the Ecker and and over the last couple of weeks, the, the, the talk out of the south is, oh, well, land values have got to come back. The, the, the threat, the biosecurity threats uh, are going to cause um, a freefall in some ways of what value are for big properties and big holdings in North Queensland. Firstly, it's garbage, and we and we know that's garbage. Uh, I thought we'd have a chat with Roger Hill this morning. Rog, good morning. Thank you so much for being with us. Um, you know, FMD is a threat. We, we've talked about it on this show for a couple of months, um, and we understand the importance of it, and we understand just exactly where we sit. And there could be an outbreak at some point, but we're doing everything we possibly can to try and prevent it. But the, 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 the scare tactic that land has to come back and that we have to – we're going to see a real short, uh, cheapening of country in North Queensland is not only embarrassing, but it, it borders on offensive. Right. Um, that's probably the best way to put it, Ben. I, I was um, – I felt that just going to the echo there for five minutes, I felt that I was just being pushed down like that the North was, you know – the northern values were going to come back and they already had and all this sort of stuff. And yeah, I heard that central Queensland may have a bit of softening, but I wasn't really chuffed, to be honest, and I, it's not reflective of actually what's happening on the ground and locally, and it, it's, I better say, it's none other than imprudent. Well, we can talk about holdings 
And, you know, the recent reports that Walhalla Station in, in the Territory alone um, sold, I think, for 100 million, maybe in 15, and looks like it's going to part at 250 mil. Like, I mean, these are the kind of things. When country comes on the market of any value and there is not a lot on the market, the, the demand for it at the moment it far outweighs the supply, I can tell you that now. Oh, look, absolutely, absolutely. So while Hollow is up in your investment-grade assets, um, you'll actually see in that market segment, that's not your mum and dad's family-owned stations, but you actually do see, and we saw it in 2009, when Terra Firma and Paraway, those key investments, actually, you know, the Gulf Group were bought from uh, AA Company and from Milo Pastoral Company to make Paraway they were actually at a premium to the years prior, yet the GFC had already happened. It's actually in the investment-grade assets, it works as a hedge against um, against global investment volatility. Probably where, where your listeners are more interested, though, is in the mum and dad stuff and, and the more relevant stuff. Um, the fact is, you've been, you're right, that there are only three stations in North Queensland right now that are being marketed. And the demand for those stations, each agent doing a great job out in the field, showing people around, they're getting swamped with inquiry and inspections. Yeah, Pretty good. Unbelievable. So how, what would you say, is there a lot of country coming on the market in North Queensland at the moment? Today, there are only three that are on the market. We're doing a lot of off-market stuff where there's a few graziers that have gone door knocking and said, hey, Fred, do you want to sell your place? I'll pay you some good money. We saw that happening in the lead up to the end of financial year. And a lot of that particular reason was due to some previous CGT issue management and uh, credits from previous property sales. They just needed to roll into that new country by June 30. We saw that happen. Then there was a fear of FMD kicking all this to the biosecurity. Um, fact is, is today there are only three on the market. I do know that there will be some more country coming on in the next six months, and it's good country, and good country, Ben, always sells. Yeah, exactly right, and and that's the big thing. FMD and, and lumpy skin and all these kind of things, people will use anything to try and, to try and jerk the job. But it, the bottom line is that, it's not going to only affect the north. It's going to affect everywhere if this if this happens. Yeah, Ben. I mean, down in Victoria, their family got a bit of a grazing show down there, and, and you know they're already fine creating their own little local biosecurity groups. You know, putting stop signs at gates and all that sort of stuff. Look up in the north here, Ben. We've got some good fundamentals that are pretty solid for our business, um, and I, I can't tell you more about the live export. You know, for Brahman cattle, which those fellows down south don't produce. Uh, we've got Brahman cattle sailing out of Townsville. There's uh, two boats this month, two boats next month to Vietnam and Indonesia. We're talking $3.50, $3.80. Yeah, $3.80, Ben. You know, that's, that's pretty darn good cash flow to be popped up by. Um, what's the problem? Yeah, you're dead you know? right. You, you, you're dead right. Um, the, the, so talk to me about how, how you reacted You're at the ECA and – and and it's coming from all angles. I mean, you, you wonder we're, we're supposed to be united here. People should want the bloody north to be firing. You know, we 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 want the north to be successful. We want all that, and that's the biggest thing that I'm getting. It there's there's always a negative push around it. Yeah, so firing and successful, your two words there, don't mean being stupid. 
okay? We need to be sensible, right? Um, I didn't, my reaction, I mean, admittedly down there, I had a tie on as opposed to up here with a check shirt on. But the fact is, is down there, I sat there and said, well, hang on, how is it coming backwards? That's not the case. I mean, I said, you know, we've got plenty of inspections going on. There's three, three places on the market. We've got plenty of demand. If we dared put a property on the market in the Charters Towers area right now, yeah, I don't know that you'd uh, want to sit there, dare put your head on the line and say that the market had come backwards. It doesn't mean it's got to go north. It just means it, it hasn't come backwards. And that, that, uh, sort of, that concerned me because your credit departments lend, make decisions on lending money. Yeah. People's, yeah. Bank, people's balance sheets. Yeah. Even if the market came back 5%, Ben, do you know you'd never even notice it? Yeah. yeah, really. Yeah. Like on and the a, whole scheme on of things, it, yeah, it, it, the whole scheme of things, it, it, yeah, it's it's chump change, isn't it? Really. Then on we're talking for you know three hundred dollars an acre on some country, four hundred dollars an acre on some country. Five percent is only fifteen or twenty dollars an acre, and you that's when, that's the power of negotiation. The next bidder will bid that much. Unbelievable. Um, we we are really, really. It's a, a chat that we need to have more often. We need to be very careful about people wanting to manipulate the market, especially in the north. The job is firing, and it's not getting jerked. It's not going, you know. And that's the big thing, um, you know. It, we really, really need to make sure that everybody understands that. And, and it, Roger, it's very good to have you on because it just relays the the, the belief and and the knowledge that. There are three properties on the market in the north and all three have more demand than they would have ever expected. They will close and they will sell and there will be more country coming on and it will sell as well. And it's not getting jerked. The job's not coming backwards and it's one that we need to, to be very aware of. Roger Hill, Heron Todd White, North Queensland Director. Appreciate your time this morning. Thanks, Ben. Good on you. Rural Queensland today. We'll take a break. Come back with more. Well, that's it from us here this morning, Wednesday, the 10th of August. Have a great day, Queensland. We're back tomorrow from 9am. Remember, when the weed is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. Ray Hadley joins you next. Till next time, it's bye for now.